This is your other brother's podcast. It's like running through an open door. It's like finding what you're looking for. We've been waiting. We won't wait no more. We got a beautiful story. Every morning, on and on. We got a beautiful story. And we've only just begun. The best is yet to come. Welcome home, friends. This is your other brother's podcast, and we are a community navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. Happy 2022, everybody from the Jewel of the Blue Ridge of Asheville, North Carolina. My name is Tom, and I'm so glad that you're here today to kick off the Yobcast, another new year of the Yobcast. And joining us from the handprint of God of Mighty Michigan, it's our other brother, Ben. Hey, Tom. How's it going? It's going as well. Happy New Year, Ben. Good to see you. And also joining us from the frozen tundra of Alberta, Canada, it's our other brother, Will. Hey, it's good to be here. What is up, Will? Good to see each of you guys. Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to everyone listening. Um, We had, if you guys, if anyone listened to the Yob Convo cast with Matt last week, Um, Matt has decreed that 2022 is a year of redemption. So, so let it be, so let it be done. 2022 will redeem every awful thing of the last couple of years. And so I'm excited for this year ahead. I would be, I'm curious to hear you guys, like, what is your, what's your vibe going into this year? Are you, do you feel redemption is in the air? Are you cynical? Do you feel like, no, this year is going to be just as hard or just as difficult or just as, um, horrific in some cases <laughs> the last the last couple of years you know i just uh binged uh season six of queer eye and so i'm entering mm. into this year in a very good mood uh just yeah life is good so i think it'll be a good year <laughs> you know i've only seen the first two episodes but the first episode of season six you know there hasn't been a lot of media like it's it's fairly new the fact that the pandemic is coming up in things that we watch, things that we read, things that we consume as far as new publications, new new things coming out. So it's like, it's still weird for this to be a historical event that we experience. And obviously we're still experiencing, but that first episode of Queer Eye, they like started shooting, they started filming. And then before they could finish the pandemic hit, they had to shut down. And so then they have the whole first episode, they have to like go back over a year later to visit the person, the hero they call them that they helped. And so that was just such a strange, like, Oh man, this is, and that's only going to happen more often as, as we get more distance from the coronavirus. But, uh, but yeah, queer eye, I'm two episodes in, so we won't make this a queer eye podcast. Although I know we could, Will did write a blog about why he loves queer eye. If you guys want to check it out, we'll link it. (laughs) It, It's quite a few years old now. So I have to write Mm -hmm. a new queer eye blog, I think. There you go. There you go. Ben, what's your what's your outlook for 2022? I think if I have to pick a theme for this year, it's hopeful expectation is what I'm uh, titling this year. Yeah, a lot of good things, uh, some potential changes. Um, yeah, hopeful expectation. Change is in the air, everybody. Excited to see what happens with that. But I'm hopeful too. I'm expectant. I'm hopeful. And I hope it is a great year ahead. Um, Today, 
you guys, to start off on a cheery note. Today we are talking about bitterness, bitterness. Um, and let me give some context to it because shout out to our incredible Yabbers community because this idea comes straight from one of our members. And it was really great. Um, I believe it was our final Zoom call of the year. We do these Zoom calls through our Patreon community. So roughly twice a month, we'll get together on Zoom, about 20 of us. And um, one of our faithful pledgers, one of our faithful supporters, um, he challenged us or he, he put it out there and examine to consider the past year of what do we hold against God? What do we hold against others? And what do we hold against ourselves? Um, and it was so impactful for me, like when he mentioned it and we had a little bit of discussion about it during the call, I actually wrote a blog post on, on my personal blog, which I'll link in the description because I processed and some of those things will, will come out during this episode, I'm sure. But I personally processed those three arenas of what am I holding against God this year? What have I been holding against others? And what am I holding against myself? Um, and so it was just a beautiful way to kind of look back on, look back on my life, but in particular, the last year of my life. And and as the calendar changes to look ahead to the next year and how can I not, how can I learn to release and how can I learn to let go of some of those things which um, can start as a gripe or can start as a grudge and can quickly escalate into, into bitterness. And so um, through the lens of our sexuality and our faith journeys, we're going to talk about that, um, about this concept of bitterness. Um, and Ben, I loved because I reached out to both of you guys about this topic. Ben, you responded, I don't know how quickly you thought of it, but you responded, sweet and sour sexuality. Sweet and sour sexuality, which I find incredibly apt. You know, I thought it was uh, sweet and salty, but sweet and sour works as well. Did you say sweet and salty? I'll have I to did. check the records. I did. Okay, I'll have to check the records. But either way, both salty, work. sour. Yeah, both work. So the goal here being like, yes, there can be hard, difficult anger-inducing things that come with the lives that we're choosing to lead. But do we stay there or do we press into the blessing? Do we press into the sweetness, um, the gifts that we have to offer the church, ourselves, and to our God? So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm really excited to talk about that concept. And before we get to that, though, I wanted to put it out there that for those that are just joining us or for those that have forgotten... Um, we have a Yob line and we haven't featured a Yob line message in quite some time. And so I would love to hear somebody call the Yob line with some thoughts on this episode today or on any of our episodes or general feedback for the show. Um, any or all of that is welcomed. So 706-389-8009, we would love to hear you and feature you on the episode sometime. And then also something else, I had to check the records and I was... I was shocked. I was shocked when I saw it because people have been rating and reviewing our show from the beginning and we've gotten a good number. We're well over a hundred ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts. And it's huge to just give the show credibility and to put it out there that this, this is a, this is a show. This is like not just a hobby anymore. This is a thing that we do. We, we do this show. We're getting closer to a hundred episodes. This is episode 90 of the Yobcast. So at some point this year, Lord willing, we will hit a hundred episodes of this show which is crazy we'll get there when we get there but um but we haven't gotten a rating review or at least the review part um in about a year now it's been a year since someone reviewed our show and a lot of that's understandable a lot of people who just listen to our show are faithful listeners and they've already done their duty they're done their duty they they submitted the review and you can't submit like multiple reviews or anything um but i venture to say we probably have a crop of new listeners who maybe haven't taken the time maybe they figure we have over 100 they don't need another one um, 
but it, it really does help to see an ongoing stream of ratings reviews for our show to to keep it current. So, so I would encourage you guys, maybe as a New Year's challenge, if there's anyone listening, if you've been listening for a while now, you've got a sense of the show, you keep coming back, you keep listening. Um, yeah, I would challenge you. I would encourage you if, you. if you haven't taken the time to rate or review us on Apple Podcasts, please do. Um, it keeps helping us continue to grow and continue to make these episodes, make them make them possible. And it was fun because as I was, because what I do is I ter- I search your other brother's podcast, Apple, and then that takes me, I should have it bookmarked at this point, but that, I'll Google that and that'll take me to the Apple podcast page of, of, our, of our show, of our network. Um, but when I was doing that, I noticed that you guys, there is another podcast called The Other Brothers Podcast. And I was so mad. I was like, no, how could they take the other <laughs> And I have no idea what it's about. The only thing I know, it's like two Mormon guys. That's all I know. I don't know what is, what's going on with this podcast. They've only done a few episodes, but, but apparently there's another, epi- there's another show out there called The Other Brothers Podcast. That is not us. We are your other brothers. We are not the other brothers. But we came first, so I, I just want to put that out there. Some quick announcements um, book club, book club continues. We had a full year of book club and it was really special to post on our Instagram, post on social media, this picture of the 12 books that we read ranging from wizard of earth sea to till we have faces, um, a whole gamut of fiction, nonfiction books about sexuality, books about masculinity, books about spirituality. Like it was, it was a good crop of books. If I do say so myself, many of them submitted by by our patrons, by our yobbers. And so I'm really excited for the year ahead for the books that we have on our docket. Um, For those that care to join us, I'm going to do a better job of announcing what we're reading so that you guys are aware if you don't check us out on Patreon. Um, January 19th, we are reading Prayer in the Night by Tish Harrison Warren and really excited to gather around with our yobbers to talk about that. And then next month on February the 16th, we are reading The Relational Soul by the combination of Plas Cofield, the dynamic duo of Plas Cofield. So we'll be reading that in February, just in time for Valentine's Day and relationships. I think that'll be very fitting. So um, those are our next two books in book club. We read a book a month. We meet on the third Wednesday of the month. And these are for our patrons pledging $15 or more a month. So we've had some fantastic calls over the la- over the last year now. Like we've been doing it for, I guess, 15 months, if it goes all the way back to the fall of 2020. So. Um, so if you're into books, if you're into discussions about books, it was by far, I don't know about you guys. I, well, I know Will is super well-read Ben. I'm not sure how well-read you are as a pastor or how you match up with Will, but I am so horrifically underread. People might assume like, oh, he's a writer or he's an editor or he, he should probably be reading 20 books a month, but I do not. Um, but last year of my life, you know, reading 15 books last year, however many it was, 16, 17 books, most books I've read in a year in many years. And so I have Yob's, Yob's book club to thank for that. So thank you. Thank you for our supporters, for supporting Yob, and then also for enriching my soul to force me to sit down and read books every month. Oftentimes, as I've told the book club, I'm finishing the book like 20 minutes before we start. <laughs> I really t- I really like to drag things out to the last possible moment, but um, but that's, uh, that's a big plug for book club. Love those gatherings. Would love to see you guys there. I I just uh, I know this is a podcast, so people just can't see us. But I think it's been a very funny picture because uh, what people can't see is Ben and I are just eating popcorn as uh, 
as Tom is talking away here and giving announcements, I'm like, this is a wonderful gig. Uh, just uh, <laughs> listening and watching Tom and eating popcorn. I like, know. It's pretty funny when before we started recording, all of a sudden, independent of one another, these two guys on the show today, these two pastors have a bowl of popcorn that they again not didn't share that with each other. They just are on the same wavelength, and I'm I feel left out in a sense that I don't have a, bo- a bowl of popcorn here. But enjoy the show, enjoy the show, you guys. <laughs> and maybe this will make it to the you know Yapalog cut or whatever. But last time the recording wasn't still going, but wasn't the last time the three of us were together that we decided that whiskey was the unofficial sponsor of the episode after That's the right. fact. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's there's that. Um, you mentioned the Yabalog, which is hilarious because I have such a backlog. This happens all the time. I have such a backlog of bonus content that I have not gotten to whatsoever. And so there's a lot of Yabalog content for those that are supporting us on Patreon. And you're wondering, where is the new Yabalog? It's been like four months again. I'm sorry. I know this is supposed to be a monthly bonus show, which has not turned into a monthly bonus show, but I'll get there. I'll get there when I get there. I'll give it to the Yab intern, whoever that is. They'll 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 take it on. Um, but stay tuned. There's always bonus content. It'll come out eventually. It may not be as timely as these episodes, but eventually. <laughs> um, Will, I wanted to ask you, Ballpark, how many books do you think you read in 2021? Just so I can feel awful about myself. <laughs> That's hard to say, partly because I've also started school again. And so that's definitely inflated the number of books I've mm. I've read. Uh so I I really don't have an answer, but what I can answer is in the past week because of school, I had to read five books. So Whoa, in one week. <laughs> that's well, half a year. It was over it was over Christmas break too. So I'll say two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. That's, that's more fair. Um, wow. Look at you going back to school. Do you have like a nice bright colored backpack and a lunchbox? It's probably all online, isn't it? Yeah, it's all online. <laughs> I, I, I wish I uh, had those things. Uh, but I do admit it's been good having a professor again and some classes and writing papers. Mm-hmm. Like I just thoroughly enjoy all of that. So um, yeah, if you if you need a sort of resolution for 2022, uh, I, I say go back to school. Well, like Will, um, I'm also back in school right now working on stuff for, for counseling. And um, usually there's three books for each class. So over the last year with school alone, it's been like 12 books for school. Um, even though I haven't been able to attend all the book clubs, I've been reading or listening to the books so outside of school i think i'm somewhere between honestly 15 and 20 books a year um because whenever i'm in between tasks i'm either reading or listening to something probably more audiobooks than uh paperbacks for sure i never got into audiobook world because i i think i listened to too many podcasts and it's just too audio it's audio overload for me but um but I love I love our audiobook listenership as well. We have a good number of those who show up to book club. So um circling back to book club, we love book club. We would love to have you at book club. It's a great, it's a great time. Um that brings us to our sponsor for this episode. Thank you, Hissup, for sponsoring this episode on bitterness. As Psalm 51:7 reads, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. 
I'm really glad I wasn't drinking my whiskey just as you said that because that was hilarious. Uh, I I love reading the sponsors for Will because you're such a supportive person. It's such a contrast with Matthew, who was on our last show, who despises my sponsorships. But um, I would have I I long for a nice spit take from you one day, Will. That would be that would be fantastic. (laughs) Is whiskey the unofficial sponsor of bitterness as well? Sure, we'll make whiskey an ongoing. unofficial sponsor since you guys are on the show and since you're such whiskey aficionados (laughs) but uh thank you hyssop which i had to i had to research what exactly is it's a flower it's a plant it's an antioxidant and it's very bitter so there you there you go purge me with hyssop um it's such a great word too hyssop whoever who would have known from the dawn of this podcast we would one day be sponsored by hyssop i don't know god god's been good to us he looks out. He looks out for his children. Um, we're talking about bitterness today on this show. And man, let's just jump right in because I think the older I get, and I'm still, I'm 34, you know, I'm about to be 35 this this year. But uh, the older I get, as, as, as I turn from the 20s to the 30s, um, I'm definitely more conscious of the concept of aging and what what it does to a person's spirit and just noticing people that used to feel rosy and cheery and optimistic. Now they're not as much. They're darker. They're gloomier. They're cynical. They're jaded. Um, and I see those tendencies in myself. I'm not immune from those what's at all. You know, I, I've seen that in various spheres of my own life, the older I get and the more life's hardships and and just like the ongoing fallenness of of humanity it wears on me and it wears and i can i at least i'm like aware of it and i understand the capacity for human bitterness and so um so i'm really eager to dive into this episode i hope it shines a light on anyone listening um that it gives you a chance to pause and just look back um on the last year of your life and look on the, the scope of your life and and looking at these areas, the goal for today is look at the areas of what do you hold against God, what do you hold against others, and what are you holding against yourself. That is the the lens through which we're examining this uh, this concept of bitterness. And I guess we'll start with the with the big man himself. We're going to start with God, um, and we'll work our way to ourselves. Like um, I guess as pastors, you guys are not allowed to be bitter at God, so you're off the hook there. <laughs> perfect let's move on to the next segment (laughs) i'll just take i'll absorb all of the bitterness to god no no i'm curious because this i really appreciate you guys coming on this show to talk about this today because i think it's really helpful to humanize pastors and you guys have already humanized yourselves by coming on many other episodes but um but it's like you guys are allowed to struggle too you guys are allowed to be angry at god you guys are allowed to have bitterness toward god even um and so I'm curious if anything comes to mind, um, whether you're looking at the last year or certainly the scope of your life, like what comes to mind when you think about what have you held against God? It's, you know, it is interesting being a pastor, um, like, uh, because I don't put up a facade at all for people, but I think people would still be surprised that they uh, knew how many times I was angry at God or bitter or had doubts. And it's a, and it's a weird, it's a weird thing because yeah, even though I don't hide it, I think uh, people kind of put up this filter where that uh, even if I say I struggle with these things, like uh, uh, people still just don't see it sometimes. So it's just a weird thing I've noticed, but like the thing, the thing that I constantly go back to with bitterness 
And I've gotten much better over the years, but like I still have moments where I'm bitter at God that I'm gay. Like that's like just kind of at the core of it or same sex attracted, whatever the language that people want to use. I'm still upset at God at many moments for that because my dream has always been to have a wife and kids. That dream has never gone away. Um, and which is like probably one of the reasons why I was in reparative therapy for a while, like um, because of that dream. And so I'm, I get bitter, especially, especially when I see people who uh, have my dream that, that I've wanted and they squander it like they're, they're uh, horrible parents or they're unfaithful. Uh, um, like it's, it's easy for me to get bitter of like, why, why are they the ones that have a family and I can't? And, and it's all the, the funny thing is it's all illogical. Like it, it's not <laughs> it, like when you step back, it doesn't really make sense, but those are constant issues that I go back to and complain to God about. Yeah. Thanks for your honesty. Cause I know, I know there are so many people listening who will join you in that chorus of, of angst of like, God, why did you make me this way? Why, why do I have this sexuality? And, um, and yeah, my heart goes out. That's never something I've been bitter about i think for me because as you were saying that i was i don't want to come across as high and mighty like oh will i've never i've never been bitter at god for being gay or being ssa but but what i have been bitter at god about is my differentness as it relates to other men and so that could include sexuality as like a little bullet point in that list but but for me in general it's like god why did you make me sensitive why did you make me quiet why did you make me um with social anxiety, like, why did you make me with all these other things? And so sexuality is, I guess, a piece of that, if I'm being honest, but, um, but there is that sense that it feels, maybe this is all in my head, but it feels easier for other men to assimilate with other men versus me. It feels like it's harder for me. And maybe, maybe that's all, all, all in my head, but, uh, but it feels, it feels more difficult, I guess. And so that's, that's something, if I'm honest, that I've definitely been bitter at God about. This is one area where we're quite opposite because I, know, I feel very you comfortable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're drinking whiskey, ways. and you go. Yeah, you have you have your your crew. But uh, I I remember one of the well the first time that you, uh, or not the first time that you visited me, the only time that you've visited me. So you need to um, do that again. But mm, we went to like my favorite coffee shop, and I remember uh, having a conversation with one of the workers at the coffee shop that I know pretty well, pretty masculine guy. And I remember you saying something like, uh, like, uh, kind of surprised of how comfortable I was talking to this guy. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it's vaguely familiar. Yeah. 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 Cause I remember the coffee shop you're talking about in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a very snobby coffee shop. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. it's very snooty. I, but I, yeah. I loved it. I love that you loved it and that you go there and have a rapport with the people there. But yeah, no, I notice it. I notice it because maybe it's just because I'm more used to guys in our community having a standoffishness with guys. Not everybody. That's painting a broad brush. But um, but I know I certainly feel that in myself that I feel standoffish. And maybe again, maybe it's more in my head than I than I want it to be. But um, but yeah, that's that's a source of bitterness for me that I've not been as bitter about maybe lately. But it's still it's still there. Ben, what about you? If you have anything 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm never bitter. You know, I'm like at this point in life where I'm always at peace and have joy about everything that's going on. Can I be on. honest? I look at you guys because you guys are so pleasant. You guys are so nice. I love getting to know you. I've hung out with you guys multiple times. It's strange to picture either of you as bitter. Like that just doesn't feel like a word I would use to describe. So it's it's interesting to just hear Will talk about being bitter at God for making him gay. But I, it's hard for me to even just visualize what does that even look like. But I understand everybody has a dark side. Everyone has struggles. It's not like you're, again, you're not perfect, whether you're a pastor or otherwise. I feel in some ways like I came late to the game because everybody else has already, you know, read or, or listened to her, but like just in the last few months I've discovered Brene Brown and finally I'm just like, Oh, I get why everyone's obsessed with her. Um, one of the marks of, you know, a well-adjusted person, um, is that, you know, they go through the same things that everybody else goes through, but they take the time to lament and they also take the time to, you know, look forward with joy and, I think, you know, you, you might look at us and go, yeah, we, we might seem partially well-adjusted, but I think that, you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but you take the time to lament when you need to lament. Is, is that right? Lament is my favorite form of worship. Um, <laughs> We're on the same page. We're on the same page, Will. Yeah. We diverge as far as how we relate with other men, but we lament. We love to lament. I, I've even included into my church services more and more, especially during Advent, which I think we talked about in the last or on our episode on on Advent. But I think I think you're right. Like it is important to take the the time um, to lament, to recognize the the immense feelings that that we're going through. Like I think it was Ed Shaw um, in his book. Um, uh, what's the name of it? Same-sex attraction in the church, I think. Uh, it's been a while since I read it, but he he talked about uh, kitchen floor moments where he he described moments where he would just like break down, start crying, and be like uh, sitting on the kitchen floor. And I'm like, I've had many of those, but normally they're right next to my piano. Uh, but it's uh, uh, or or playing the piano. That's a good way to lament too. But it's. It's very important to take the time for those moments and just let them happen. Like, I I'm try to be very intentional with that. Same, though. And, you know, I mean, in looking back on this last year, this has been, you know, as I said, this, this next year is hopeful expectation. But this last year has been just one of, like, emotional transition and processing and those times I've had the the process through bitterness towards God because I've seen, you know, people I love walk away from the faith. And it's hard for me to like differentiate out between like bitterness towards God and bitterness towards others at times because I've seen people walk away and there's a part of me like hearing their stories and I go, God, why didn't you, why didn't you keep them? Why didn't you give them what they needed to make it? Um, you know, and this is tying in really well right now with uh, the book Prayer in the Night, which is what we're doing for book club. Um, the Odyssey that somehow there is evil in the world and and God is still good. And Tish writes in this book that um, we have to decide whether or not God is good before things happen. 
because if we are deciding whether or not God is good based on situations and circumstances, God will forever be on trial. And it'll be based on our whims, based on moments, based on circumstances. And if something bad happens, we come back and say, well, God, why didn't you fix it? God, why didn't you, you know, step in and intervene? But nevertheless, intellectually, I know that, but I look at some some people that have been hurt by the church that have felt like, why didn't God step back in and rescue me back here? And I just can't believe in his goodness anymore that I go, yeah, God, it, it feels like they have a point. Because if you're sovereign, why didn't you fix it? Why didn't you save them? And that ties in as well with some things within the church. Why didn't you guys love like you were supposed to love? Why do you guys make it so hard for us to be counted among the people of Christ? Why do you make it so hard for us to, you know, be able to be in the body of Christ without having to change everything about who we are? It's like we strive and we strive and it's never enough. And a lot of this is tied in with sexuality and it's hard and it hurts this last year, I discovered something called religious trauma syndrome, and there's you know, a growing body of evidence, not just for sexual minorities, but for other people as well, that when they haven't measured up, when they haven't met the standard, um, churches say, all are welcome here. And what they really mean is we want people that already look like us, that only have minor things that they need to tweak in order to fit in, but if it's going to take a long time or if they're messy, we're just going to make them feel uncomfortable over time because they don't meet the moral standard. So they're not in the in-group, and so we're going to push them out. So there's this growing body of people that are suffering from religious trauma syndrome. So when I look at you know what I see in Scripture, what I look at what you know Christ has called the church to, oof, God, you're you're supposed to be sovereign. Can you get your people in line? Can you help us to love better than we love? Because a lot of people are hurting. Yeah, I mean, you hit something that I wanted to to finish out the this section on bitterness toward God with because I I feel I feel that I feel that viscerally, um, like not being honestly not being bitter toward others who leave the faith or or change their convictions. Like there's just like this mounting bitterness I feel toward God, who's like, okay, I get the concept of not forcing your love on me or not forcing your love on anyone that we have to choose you day after day after day. Like I get that. I get that conceptually, but then, but then it's like, yeah, then when the church is idiotic or moronic or treats people awful, like why does God let that happen? Why does he not intervene and show him his true nature? Not, not this false representation of him. Why, why doesn't he intervene? Why does he protect seemingly protect some people and keep them on a straight and narrow path, but then let's, but apparently others escape that and, and find their own way. And, and is it just a matter of me being patient and just wait and God will, like, it's not going to happen instantaneously. And he's just as much in the future as he is in the present. And he'll like, maybe he will, maybe he will intervene in some of those situations, but maybe he won't. And there's just, I guess there's just like mind blowing the more, the more I'd like zoom out and just, and try to make God be what I want him to be. It's just, I guess a bitterness does develop there where I'm just like, yeah, God, you're not, you're not checking the boxes that I want you to check. And why are you, why, why is this happening? And so that's, that's where I felt a significant, I mean, it's happened the last few years, but I would say significantly this past year, um, just really wrestling with that bitterness toward God. Like, 
Like, where are you? Does, does the Holy Spirit still convict? Is that still, is he, are you still there? Is that still a thing? Is the Holy Spirit still a thing in 2022? Um, and what, what's happening? Why are some people being convicted by this Holy Spirit and other people aren't? And, you know, and that gets into a big theological deep dive of like, when you come to faith, are you, are you locked in? Are you locked into faith or can you, can you step out of that? Or God, does he let you? I guess it's good to talk to pastors about this because you guys have all the answers, but but those are things that are just like real world concepts that I never had to wrestle with before until these last few years. And and again, particularly this year. Yeah, pastors, we we do know everything. I'm glad that you're very clear about that. <laughs> yep, uh, yep, yep. Pinning that on uh, you guys. I do want to make a, a return back to a back to book club. Uh, I wasn't there for the discussion, but I know that one of the books that you guys um, talked about was uh, Till We Have Faces, which yes. I think is one of the greatest books ever written. I love that book. Um, it's a superb on every level. But anyway, um, in that book, the one of the main themes is bitterness against God, where the main character is like awaiting, like waiting so long to be in a courtroom before all the gods to make their case of uh, why they're so horrible or why they've done great injustice, I should say. And if my memory serves me correctly, uh, it's been a while since I've read the book, but the case that the person makes at the end shrinks down to like, uh, um, like to basically nothing. They had this long list of complaints and it just kind of disappeared at, at the end. And I, I think there's a lot of important lessons within that imagery that that book uh, provides. Yeah, I mean, I love that we're referencing book club all over the place. Way to go, way to go, Will and Ben. Um, but yeah, essentially the main character who we loved trying to pronounce her name on book club or oral, oral or something. It's just like, it was very, lots of vowels in her name. But essentially, yeah, the realization, spoiler alert, the realization she comes to at the end is like, I don't need a list of answers. Like, God, you are the answer. This, this, it, it all boils down to the gods or you know in our case from our vantage point god is the answer and um to strip away to strip away all the all the questions and then just boil it down to the presence of of god i had a paper due that week and i read it and i went back and forth on can i jump into book club can i take the time to be there because that week legit i would get off work i would come home and from the time i got home if i wasn't eating dinner i was working on a paper but I wept reading reading that. And like for for me, there's you know genuine connection, empathy with Orwell there. Um, she wears a veil. People from the outside could look at me and if I wanted to, you know, I could pet I could pass as this, you know, heterosexual, normal pastor, but I guess the question for me a lot of the time is what would happen if I took off the veil, so to speak, and people really knew my story, would they still love me? Would they still accept me? You know, and the other pieces under it, not to go into a big long list, but um, people could look at me and they could see, you know, a normal pastor married, and they might ask the question like, okay, why don't they have kids? Um, one of the things that, you know, Marie and I have had continually to, to wrestle with is like, okay, is this going to happen? Isn't this? And without, you know, going into long detail, we just were not able to have kids. Um, and so I look at my, my sexuality, I look at the, you know, the lack of fatherhood, which Will referenced earlier, um, you know, something I always wanted to be a dad and I could get 
I could get bitter over over that. Um, I could say, God, what aspect of my life is normal? I mean, seriously, you know, what, what you know, other people, what do they have? There are very few things that seem normal in comparison with other people. Um, and I'm assuming we're going to get to more of like a resiliency and the hope later. But man, if I just stay in that, what makes me different from other people and God, why haven't you done for me what I've seen in other people's lives? That sucks. And it's hard. Yeah. Thanks for being real. And man, I miss both of you guys at book club. This is like book club, the sequel This is book club after dark. It's great to have more thoughts until we have faces because we had such a great, such a great conversation. I wanted to speak to, because I know we have so many Enneagram 4s listening. A big part of my growth in the last several years is just being content. And that is so hard. It's hard for all humans. It's not like 4s have it any worse than others. But, but there's something about being a 4 that constantly feels like something's missing, that I, I, I am personally missing some quality or some trait or some human or some community or some job or some some dream i'm missing something and and my life will not be complete and will not be pleasant will not be satisfied until i find it and i think that can absolutely i've seen i've seen so many fours across the scope of my life who i who i know identify as fours um who have really turned in on themselves and become very bitter toward god about um about this lack and that can look so different for so many different types of people but but I know for me, you know, roaming the country and trying to figure out where I belong, I just feel this constant restlessness. I have this idea of what the perfect church or the perfect community, the perfect, um, the perfect web community for that matter with Yab, the perfect, um, the perfect dream job, whether this is it <laughs> doing Yab or, or if there's something else for me, um, the perfect book career, certainly if I'm, if I want to write more books in the future, um, there's a long list of things that I feel like I don't have or I don't have yet. And and there have definitely been hard seasons where I've where I've turned bitterness toward God in in this cry of like why if not now when like when will I arrive when will I have these things these people um, in my life that will bring a sense of stability a sense of not just stability not just survival but a sense of fruitfulness a sense of growing um, that I feel for whatever reason I feel like I don't have so so that's been a huge part of me of of wrestling with um, my relationship with God is just being content finding contentment in what is and then where there's areas to grow I mean the serenity prayer courage to change the things that I can if there are things that I can change then yes absolutely let's change it let's do let's do something but the things that can't be changed for the for the past for the things in my present that aren't changeable other people who aren't changeable um learning to know the difference between what is changeable and what's not changeable is, is a huge part of that, of that process for me. Um, we've already started referencing like the church. We're just going to start, we're going to go there. We're going to start pointing fingers at the big old church. Um, what do we hold against others um, in this conversation as we, as we transition from God to others? Like what have you held against others, whether it's the church or the world <laughs> as the, as we call them now, one of the difficulties with the church and bitterness is it's so really easy to turn that bitterness to God simply because it's when you see, especially the hypocritical nature of um, uh, other Christians and including myself, uh, uh, but it makes it easy to question the transformative power of God. Like, why are these people acting this way? Isn't God working in their lives? 
or why am I acting this way? Isn't God working in my life? So it's e- it's easy to still turn that bitterness toward uh, others to God. But I, oh man, I've I've had so many moments where I've had to work through intense bitterness uh, toward people, and probably one of one of the hardest moments for me to actually work through was um, this uh, a couple in my church that I was incredibly close to um, that I thought they were like just the greatest people. And uh, when I came out um, and yeah, they, they heard about my orientation. Like one of them called me an abomination to my face and that was the last time I saw them. Um, and it was really hard not to be bitter toward that because I'm like this couple, like for months and months said, uh, week after week, I had the wonderful sermons and I'm like, did they, did they mean it? And, uh, um, like, were like, how could they just like change their niceness, uh, uh, their kindness toward me and at just a, a, um, a flip of a switch. Like it, it's really difficult to work through those things where people have um, hurt, hurt me greatly. And, and I think one of the things to, one of the things to remember is that one People who harm others, there's often other things that, or not often, but there's always other things that we do not see. Um, and so there could be baggage there that that couple have had with the LGBTQ people or or family members or whatnot that's caused a lot of pain. And uh, like I, I try to like be sympathetic about that but i also remember i'm like that's that's not who i am like that's not how god defines me god um doesn't define me as an abomination but i'm a child of god like it's remembering the the truth in those uh, circumstances i think really changes uh, a situation from extreme bitterness towards somebody to uh caring for that person yeah that's so good What's the old adage, hurt people, hurt people? It's so cliche now. The first time I heard that, I was like, whoa, that is so good. But now it's like so cliche, but but it's true. I mean, there's there's a reason why anyone is the way that they are. There's always a story. And I think, you know, it can be hard to to recognize that sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment when someone hurts you, but to just to be able to step back and realize like, okay, they have their stuff. I have my stuff, certainly. They certainly have their stuff and it's going to come out in conflict and hurtful things. I think as pastors, um, one of the things that I think I've realized is people find it <laughs> harder to approach us sometimes because of the office. And there's a, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, why, you know, I talk about community. I talk about like, if you have an issue with a person, you need to go and talk to them. I am not excluded from that. Um, but for some reason, like with pastors, people tend to attack and there's less grace given. Maybe it's because of the leadership and the idea of us being held to a higher standard. I don't know. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people cut and run 
rather than have the kind of conversations they they need to have with pastoral leaders or others, you know, in church leadership. Um, I know for me, when it comes to like bitterness towards others, and it's hard to differentiate this out from sometimes bitterness towards God, but uh, one of the phrases that has come up sometimes in conversations regarding sexuality is uh, the idea of second adolescence, that there are some things that we don't process when we're younger. It's like the button, you know, gets poked and pause. And now whether we're in our 20s, we're in our 30s, we're processing things that a lot of people process back in their teenage years. And we don't get it 100% right. You know, we've, we've unpoked pause. And just because we become mature in other areas doesn't mean we're mature in these areas. And I think the bitterness that I sometimes feel towards others is it's like they're, they're looking for ways for me to fail. They're looking for chinks in the armor that they can shoot at all under the guise of, oh, well, we're just concerned. We want you to be able to walk well with Jesus. But it, it's more of a, a watching and waiting and ready to stab rather than it is to lift up coming from a place of a place of assumption that we're going to fall short and they're just waiting. And I would say almost gleefully to point out shortcomings in us. Now that's a characterization. They wouldn't, you know, say that in their own heads or hearts, but that's what it feels like. So in some of the conversations in the last year, even, um, I've had a couple of instances where I've feared on Sunday morning being outed in front of my church. You know, somebody taking my story and holding it hostage all because they don't feel like I should be in a position of pastoral leadership because of my sexuality. And, you know, there's anger towards those people. And yeah, some anger towards God, but anger towards those people to say, you know, how, how dare you? How dare you take this thing that has caused so much pain already rather than try and understand, rather than try and have conversations, rather than try and challenge your own assumptions. Um, why would you take this and hold it as a, you know, an executioner? That's some of my anger towards others. Um, and there too, you know, as I said earlier, when I see people walk away from the faith or I see the church not walking well with other sexual minorities, I hear a lot of stories. Um, people call, people write, and they say, so I just had this conversation with my pastor. I had this conversation with my friends or my family. You know, we've talked about this before. One of the reasons why we have Samuel living with us is because his family didn't receive his story well. And he did everything that they asked. You know, went through reparative therapy and you know, tried to pray the gay away. And it was never enough. And so to see him hurt and, and broken, people that are claiming the name of Jesus and saying, you know, I love God and I love others, but love comes with an asterisk. And there's so many qualifiers as to what love is supposed to look like. Well, we're supposed to expel the immoral brother. 
if we stay there, and you know, I'm saying this because I know I'm not the only one who's thought it at times. Uh, I'm pretty sure that most of the people that are sexual minorities at some point have seen somebody in the church respond poorly to somebody's story. You know, if we could make a book of those stories, it would be something to weep over. If we stay there, we we can be nothing but bitter. And I know, again, we're going to get to this later, but uh, how do we get to that point where despite the pain of the church, despite the pain of others not walking well with us, we can still say that God is good. The church is a place for redemption and healing and fellowship. And we're not made to do this alone. We're made to do this within the body of Christ. So how do we take these stories of pain and bitterness and bring them back to the church and say, here's what happened. And here's how you love going forward. And what would it look like for the church to actually hear that? and respond and change in humility and love. That would be awesome. Ben, I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I wish I could be at your church and just listen to your (laughs) sermons. And, uh, oh man, it's, it's so, it's so true. Like, and I think added to it is oftentimes like those of us in leadership, oftentimes people who are attracted to the same sex as well, um, like uh, people talk about us all the time. Like uh, those in leadership, people will talk about us behind our backs, both positive and negative, but they will always talk about us. Uh, people who are attracted to the same sex uh, and they come out, uh, I their church or their family members will talk about them. And it is so easy to become bitter toward the people who are constantly talking about you and just taking your story away from you and just uh, uh, be like, oh, like, look at this person. And it's oftentimes very, uh, uh, very inaccurate. It's just so harmful. And it's so easy to, to become bitter because that person is able to stay be uh, behind a barrier and people don't have to know about certain parts of their lives. And so it's very difficult not to be bitter when your life is very public. I think part of it has to do as well with the position of privilege. Um, though people wouldn't acknowledge this again, you know, I mentioned this earlier when it comes to the church, sometimes it's a, we want people that are like us again, you know, as long as they don't have too many, you know, big things to work on, as long as there's only a few little things. And people from their position of privilege, whether it's, you know, been born and raised in the church, haven't had any major, you know, issues regarding having to, you know, navigate sexuality or mental health or addictions or whatever it is, having never walked down that road for somebody else different than them to come in out of that position of privilege to pass judgment on this person over an experience that they themselves don't feel. It's easy to throw stones. It's easy to say, well, obviously, all you need to do is apply the right Bible verses. You're clearly believing the wrong thing. You're clearly doing the wrong thing because you don't know what the Bible says. And if you just had more faith, God would change you. And it all comes back to the, uh, you know, the, the, the minority person, the person who doesn't measure up to their standard. 
having to bend over backwards to reach a standard of righteousness that this other person experiences, and I put air quotes around that, experiences as a result of their privilege having never gone through the things that the person they're judging has gone through. When, when people ask the question of, have you read this in the Bible? I like to respond uh, very, uh, uh, in a very unkind manner, I guess, uh, with, uh, do you mean in the Greek uh, or the Hebrew? Like, I, I can guarantee I probably have read the Bible more than them. <laughs> Boom. Pastor yeah. mic drop. A specific, a specific kind of mic drop is the pastoral mic drop. But I don't, I don't really, I have said that out loud once or twice, but normally that's the response in my head. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's so, this is, this is a hard space because on the one hand, I think Yab, Yab has been a gift for so many um, to provide a space for the angst, to provide a space for this disconnect with the church and all the ways that the church has on one end of the spectrum misunderstood them and on the other on the other end just absolutely a, a, like abolished them and absolutely made them go through horrific things and so it's a hard tension to be in as, as someone who's like who's watching this community unfold before my eyes like it's a space where people can be honest and can be real about their hurts and that's that's a beautiful thing and then what what i notice and what what starts to weigh on me and what i start to feel like this little prick inside of my heart is like oh but we can't we can't stay there we can't stay angry and jaded and cynical at the church because because we're also the church we we are the body like that's we're hurting ourselves if we stay in that position and so that's always something that i'm I'm monitoring, I guess, for lack of a better word, but keeping an eye on the heartbeat of our community. It's like, yeah, I want it, I want it to be a vulnerable community where we can confess these these things that have happened to us and the hurts that we've felt. Like that has to be present. But what equally has to be present is this desire to uh well, first of all, to forgive the church for for the hurts that it's offered us, but then also to like, okay, how can how can we be part of the solution? How can we be what has God? What has God put on our hearts, and as as a community, and and as individuals in our local churches, our local communities, like how do we how do we move beyond that place of bitterness? Which again, that's that's coming in this conversation, which uh, we'll we'll get there very soon. But before we get there, we have to turn inward, you guys. Bitterness towards self. And as a four, this is like I have an A plus in this. I can be so bitter at myself. And this is I'll just kick us off. I'll just start. I'm you guys might have domain over other areas, but I have domain over self-bitterness because <laughs> I I have been so bitter and I've learned to show myself grace, but it has been a process. But I just have constantly felt I always use this this phrase. I, I feel like I should be five years ahead of where I am now. And I think that number could be modified for inflation to like 10 years or 15 years now. Um, cause I wrote a blog on my site way back in the day where I talked about that, where I feel like, like, why am I just not more confident? Why am I not, why do I not have more friends? As if this is that, that could be one way that I direct bitterness toward God, but more often than not, I feel like I direct that toward myself. Like, like, I think I have all the tools to, to, to do certain things or to make certain connections, but why, why have I not produced the results? What is wrong with me? Why, why have I not, um, done the things that I should do to have better friends, stronger friends, longer lasting friends, um, to feel more settled financially or to feel more settled geographically where I'm living. Like um, a lot of those things I, I've given myself a hard time about or or to bring it to sexuality, like having a hard time with pornography or having a hard time 
um, with other things, other behaviors and practices online, like why, um, yeah, I beat myself up a lot about all of that. And there's a sense of bitterness that, uh, especially the older I get, like something really pivotal happened when I changed from 29 to 30. And I felt like all of a sudden I'm in this new decade and I should be not where I am. I should be, yeah, I should be over certain hangups, over certain hurts, over certain habits. And I'm not, and there's, there's a lot of just self-directed bitterness. Like maybe some of it gets deflected to God or some of it might get deflected to the church or people around me. But often than not, I think the self bitterness is something that I've really, um, this is the one area that's been the hardest, um, for me, I would say. I think for pastors and I mean, maybe, you know, Will has a different experience, but there is no greater critic of ourselves than ourselves. And, uh, you know, I, I echo you, Tom, looking at my life and going, I should be at this point, And I'm not. I feel like I should already have processed through this. And it keeps coming up again and again. And yeah, self-bitterness is, is something that as a pastor, you know, as a queer man, um, as a husband, as a friend, it, it, it's really easy to rehearse all the ways that I fall short. And that's a that's a pretty common um, inner dialogue I have, an argument I have with myself, that expectation of where should I be versus where I am. And, you know, I, I, I can make excuses, I can add qualifiers, but at the end of the day, it's, yeah. There are many times I wish I were further along than where I am at this moment, for sure. Yeah, that word should is a dastardly five letters. Is it five letters? C-H-O-U-L-T. That's six letters. A dastardly six-letter word. Editor Tom will fix that. See, now I'm mad at myself. I should know that that's six letters. What's wrong with me? But it's fine. Yeah, it's a hard word. It's It's been brutal in my life. Should. How about I start providing the transition from the the negative Please. to the positive? Please here. do. Um, because this is, even though I still struggle quite a bit with bitterness toward God and bitterness toward others, um, one of the areas I've seen the most improvement in my life is the bitterness toward myself changing to positive. Like just looking at the past few years, like in a couple of weeks, it'll be... Um, like the three-year anniversary of me quitting smoking, and uh, um, which is just crazy Amazing. to think about because, yeah, like I was I was smoking more than a pack a day, and it's just like just and much of that revolved much of the reasons for smoking revolved around like like uh, a bitterness toward myself and a dislike toward myself, and just like like. Uh, um, just thinking like, yeah, I should be better. I should be different. And it, I just kind of wallowed in the despair and didn't really care about the health of my body and um, the health of who I am mentally. And over the past few years, that's like changed dramatically of how I view myself. And the the fact that I don't dislike myself as near as much as I used to, like it's still, um, it's still a struggle uh, of mine, but it's just like, 
Like I love eating healthy, being physically active, just being a healthy person, watching my mental health because I like myself and uh, it's uh, um, like my bitterness that I often have toward my actions just has lessened greatly. Um, and I wish I had a, a solution that everybody could follow, but it was a whole variety of factors that that um, that came together of like like uh, good friendships and uh, therapy and uh, um, just a different mindset and yeah, it's it's been it's been a wonderful blessing to see that happen. That is so great to hear, Will. Um, yeah, all I do is I have images of you and me crossing countries together and you have to pull over every 10 minutes to smoke. That's an exaggeration, but it had to happen. Not by much though. <laughs> 15 minutes maybe. Yeah. But, um, what a long way you've come. What a great point. What a like specific tangible thing to point to as, as a sign of, of your growth in this area. Like that's, that's such a beautiful, beautiful picture. Um, yeah. I mean, you mentioned, you rattled off some things like you mentioned therapy. And I think for me, that's been a huge part of my own, journey. I'm not there yet. I'm not where I should be, but I, uh, the, the journey, the journey to show myself grace is easier said than done, but it's, I'm in a better place today than I've ever been, um, through, through therapy, through counseling, whatever you want to call it. And, um, various therapeutic programs, which, which I haven't talked much about yet publicly, and I'm still processing a lot of those experiences, but those are things that I, I feel compelled to share about in the future in some way, shape or form, whether it's a blog, a podcast, a book, um, whatever, but there have been some really pivotal experiences had at these these therapeutic programs that I've attended, and um, and just to really, you know, to have to have the the space, the the physical space and the mental space to just um, to recognize I'm human, to just like start there that I'm human. I, I heard somebody say once, like, this is the first time you've ever been you. Like you're you're learning how to be you. Like this is not you didn't just come with a manual. this isn't the matrix like you didn't just start life with with a microchip embedded in you and you know how to be you now like now be you like you're learning how to be you as years turn to years as decades turn to decades and and when you look at life that way like oh man like okay of course i'm gonna mess up of course i'm not gonna get things right i'm not gonna get relationships right i'm not gonna get jobs right i'm not gonna get conflict right i'm not gonna get um a whole slew of things right and just to to learn to look through life through that prism of like, yeah, we're all learning. We're all learning how to be ourselves and we're, and we're all learning how to interact with one another um, for the very first time. And so that's that's been a that's been a game changer just realization to make, which might sound juvenile to a lot of people, but for me, like that's that's been a huge thing to show myself grace. The the crazy thing is too, other people notice when those changes happen, like, uh, the people in my church have noticed a dramatic change in my sermons and in my, and their interactions with me. And, uh, just even how I look like, uh, I have my hair down all the time. I used to have it back in a ponytail and I've lost a lot of weight. Like, uh, like people have noticed the dramatic shift and it's, uh, it's, uh, a very, yeah. All of this is fascinating to me to see those changes and how people notice them too. Yeah. I see you on Zoom squares all the time, Will, but I haven't seen you in person in several years now. And so it's going to be, I'm, I'm excited for the day. I'm excited for the day where I see the, the hair down, the hair down, Will. <laughs> the Will that doesn't smell like cigarettes. <laughs> when, when, we, when we give each other a hug, like that'll be, that'll be sweet. 
Yeah, you're going to be like, oh, you have a pleasant smell now. That's that's exciting. <laughs> now you just smell like whiskey. <laughs> if, if whiskey has a smell, does it have a smell? I oh, it, it has a smell. Okay, I'm not very well versed in the whiskey. Not only does it have a smell, it oh has gosh. its own scented cologne. So what? Ben is holding Cannon up cologne. <laughs> bourbon solid cologne, and it smells amazing. But Ben, you have changed my life. You're welcome. <laughs> so I have only known Will like face to face in this last year. You know, so I don't have that comparison point for whatever it was he was, you know, a couple of years ago when you guys hung out. So, yeah. Yeah, I know him as he is. <sighs> yeah, I think for for me, this idea here of like, what's the resiliency factor? How do I you know, not be bitter towards myself, not be bitter towards God, not be bitter towards the church? Um, and I write about this a little bit in you know, the last couple of blogs that I put out, um, the idea of, it's called dialectic behavioral therapy. Um, the dialectic is, there are two different ideas and they seem to be in contradiction to one another. Um, the main idea is you are accepted as you are. Everything that you've been through, you know, your entire life up until this point, it makes sense that you are where you are. And you are completely known and loved and accepted as you are. However, if you want to do better, if you want to like go further in life, you need to do better. You need to do the work. And I feel like, you know, this last year has been um, realizing who are the people and what does it look like with God to be completely accepted and still be spurred on to live better. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say his real name, at least his real first name. Uh, one of the people that has been most influential uh, to me for this last year is a guy named Alex. Um, told him my story. I've known them for about six years now. Uh, told him my story you know, walked with him through, you know, what is, what is faith and sexuality looked like for me. And he had told me that when I shared my story with him, it was the first time that he felt like his opinion and his walk with God mattered to another person. I got to stand up in his wedding this last year and it was beautiful and it was wonderful. Um, I mentioned earlier the idea that there are some people it feels like they're just watching and waiting for me to fall. Alex is a person that uh, I've been able to be real with. When I struggle, when I fail, I can come to him and say, you know, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I've done. Here's where I've fallen short of, you know, God's glorious, righteous standard. And rather than experiencing judgment, I've seen a huge amount of grace. And so that's been like a resiliency thing for me, like not to get bitter towards the church, not to get bitter towards other people, but like this, this back and forth, this iron on iron, a person who's willing to walk with me and accept where I am but also challenge me towards God, towards righteousness. Um, 
one of the things Marie and I look for when it comes to like people we're willing to do life with, especially with like within Cybe community, uh, who are the people that are that are going to point me towards Christ and towards Marie, and those are the people that we surround ourselves with. And we've got this awesome community that, you know, despite whatever happens outside of here, despite whatever else happens in the church and some of these people on the outside who are watching for us to fail, we've got an awesome group in our corner that loves us, that points us back to Jesus, that does life with us together. Yeah. And Alex has been an awesome person in that. Um, and I feel like out of that, the idea of not being bitter towards God. Yeah, I can point, you know, to specific days, um, specific people and say, this person hurt me. And some of that hurt is ongoing. However, they are not the whole body of Christ. And God is faithful to give me what I need to be able to do this life well. The ability not to be bitter towards myself is just as I've received grace from God, grace from other people within the church that I've chosen to walk with that have told me, yeah, you messed up, you sinned, I still love you, I still want to walk with you, I still want to encourage you, just as I've received grace from others and grace from God. I can have grace towards myself, and that's an ongoing lesson, an ongoing point of resiliency. Because again, I am my own worst critic. I know when I'm making excuses. I know when I'm rationalizing things. But God uses other people. He uses his word. He uses his spirit. Um, he doesn't let me stay in that space where I'm throwing myself into a pit either. Having other people love me and point me back to him shows me that I am worth loving. I'm worth seeing. I'm worth knowing. I don't have to be bitter. I can keep running forward. I think one of the questions that people have concerning the church is, are there people in the church that will see me as a gift, that will love me, that will accept me? Like, Or will my only experiences with the church be bitter experiences, be negative experiences? Um, and it's like a part of human nature in general is that we focus on the negative. Like if we can have a million positive things and we'll focus on the few negative experiences. Uh, uh, but I also, I think church experiences for people who are uh, LGBTQ, SSA, tend to be overwhelmingly negative as, as well. But on the positive thing, I, I really think God is changing a lot of churches. Like God is changing a lot of communities. So, like I was just talking with a pastor today. Uh, older pastor, he's probably just a few years away from retirement, and uh, he mentioned of how much of a gift I am to the church, and it's just like, like oh, it is, it is worth being a part of the church, like like. 
people value me. I value people. Like, this is like such a wonderful experience. Several years ago, I hit the road for probably the most joyous period of my life. It's not to take away from the joy and the connection and the thriving that I've experienced in other seasons of my life, but there is something distinctly special about living on the road, traveling from literal coast to coast across two countries and connecting with not just one or two, but dozens of my readers and my followers, and now some of them, my good friends. I call that experience of living on the road, running too. And from the outset, it was always a trip of adventure and connection of moving towards something, even though I was very much leaving behind uh, a wildfire, relationships that had fallen apart and a life that had grown stale and empty. For nine months, I traveled with great promise, taking in some of the most beautiful sights I'd ever seen. And dare I say, connecting with some of the most beautiful people I'd ever met. I lived in a perpetual state of spiritual awe by both the sights and the souls that I encountered for 26,000 miles. Contrast that trip with another one just a few months later after I'd settled in my new home in a new state, a new church, a new living situation, a new cast of characters all around me. I found myself growing sad, growing jaded, and ultimately growing bitter that the sense of wonder was lost, the sense of connection severed. I hit the road again for a couple months and intentionally leaned into the angst, into the bitterness, simply calling that trip running away. I traveled around mostly keeping to myself a polar opposite of the connection that I experienced, the thriving that I encountered on the road previously. I was angry at God that that kind of trip couldn't have lasted forever. I was angry at others for not understanding me, for not reaching out to me as much as I would have liked them to. And I was angry at myself because here I was in my late 20s and what was I doing? behaving like a teenager or someone in my younger 20s? Shouldn't I have been mature by now? Shouldn't I have been able to find connection, to step out in areas where I needed to step out instead of expecting others to do the work for me? To have found my dream job or my calling by this point. It's one of the times in my life where that bitterness truly went all three directions, upward, outward, and inward. Throughout scripture, people's names are often changing, whether by God himself or of their own doing. The character of Naomi in the book of Ruth is one that has always jumped out at me. Ruth 1 of the English Standard Version reads as follows. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi. 
The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? And the next couple chapters of this small book follow the story of Ruth and Naomi, as Ruth eventually meets Boaz. And while the story centers on those two people towards the end of the book, I love the return back to Naomi, to the redemption of her story and to the redemption of her name. Chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 read as follows. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went in to her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And so, fellow sparrows, whatever the state and taste of your spiritual palate, be they notes of beauty or ones of bitterness, Relationships at peace and thriving or in turmoil, be they with others, with God, or with self. May we take heart and take hope in our steadfast belief that God is good. That before the phone rings, before we check the news or social media, before we look out our proverbial windows each morning, we reaffirm this single, simple, sometimes gut-wrenching truth. God is good. And when we feel too weak to say these three words, may the church, our brothers, our sisters, 
our spiritual kin. Say them for us, speak them over us. God is good. And he desires to bring his goodness, his beauty into this bitter world. Desires to use you in this beautification. May we safely express our frustrations, share our woundings, but may we never stay there in those places of pain, those places of bitterness. May we ever be open, ever be willing to step into the sweetness of this journey. As Matthew 5.13 in the message reads, may we as Jesus followers be the seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. A saltiness that isn't bitter, that points to something greater, something good, something flavorful, something beautiful, something true. One of these days, this should either be a blog or a podcast. I don't know. Uh, we should probably like talk about like tips on how to come out to your pastor um, because like pastors have a lot of concerns that they're always thinking about and uh, trying to trying to uh, um, yeah figure out. And when somebody comes out to them, they're like they have all these layers that they're working through. Um, uh, but I think pastors can often be a very good support, and they can change the the nature of a church community um, and turn into a very positive experience. But there's just a whole lot of stuff that you have to um, navigate through as a pastor um, <laughs> in those situations. So it might be good to have some like uh, tips on how to how to do that to kind of. Uh, take the ease off of what your pastor is thinking and and uh, so that they can be a better help. I don't remember how many blogs ago uh, I wrote about it. There's a form letter out there, how to come out to your pastor or other church leader that I put out in the blog not that long ago. Oh, that's right. Uh, see, I don't even have to write a blog now. Perfect. Thank, <laughs> thank it's you, already buddy. been done. Yeah. Well, no, for, any, for any pastors that are listening to this, I mean, you know, yes, there are right things to say. Yes, there are wrong things to say. But I mean, to give a plug here, um, you know, the Guiding Families book is probably one of the best resources that I've ever seen for how do you walk with, um, you know, your your church member, your family member, whoever it is that's coming out, um, Guiding Families of LGBTQ Loved Ones. Uh, is an awesome resource to tell church people, here are some of the good things to say, and here's how you have these conversations. Um, and again, I'm not out in my church, but one of the things that is, you know, continually reminded me that my experience matters. Um, I think in the last three years, I've had five different church people come to me with, you know, something related to like a kid or a grandkid or a friend that's come out as you know, gay or is trans, and they've asked me, how do I, how do I talk with this person well? Because I don't want to screw it up that I've handed that to. And I've said, read this and let's talk about it. You know, let's figure out how do you have these conversations? So, you know, that's another hopeful thing as well. 
even the older generation, because my church, like the median age is like 60. People in their 60s and 70s recognize that they don't have what they need to have these conversations and they're asking good questions. And that's awesome. Especially a lot of them in that older age, they have grandkids who are gay. Um, and uh, so they are taking the uh, those situations, those experiences very seriously. So even at that time in life, like I, I've seen, I've seen a lot of big changes uh, happen um, uh, with people, people becoming more gracious and compassionate. So there is so much to hope for um, with churches. Yeah, there's so many more resources today, even in the last five years, like I look in a world before Revoice, in a world before Yab, in a world before a lot of these books have been written, whether it's Gregory Coles's or or Preston Sprinkles or the Guiding Families book by by the Posture Shift crew, Bill Henson, who we've had on the show, like so many incredible books, resources, websites, ministries that are available to to the church today that didn't exist, you know, just a few years ago, and and there's certainly reason to be pessimistic. There's reason to be bitter. There's always going to be a reason to be bitter, and there's always going to be a reason to see the negative and everything. But um, it doesn't diminish the hurt that anyone out there listening has experienced because that's valid. The hurt is real. Um, but there's there's so much there's so much in the air, and there's so many people that are hungering for whether it's just base education, like how do we yeah how do we address issues of sexuality of gender identity? How do we not just address them, but how do we do it well? How do we welcome people? How do we love people well? And I, um, just in my own travels, my own journeys, my own interactions, my digital exchanges with people, like there's a lot of reason for hope. And I, I hope that people cling to the sweet side as we as we tie a bow on the salty. What is it? <laughs> sweet, sour, sweet and sour, salty and sweet. However, however, this whatever the flavor palette is here, we're uh, there's reason for hope too. You totally messed that up. <laughs> but we won't go back. Yeah, we won't go back and edit it because we're just gonna we're just gonna roll with it. Um this is such a great, great episode with you guys. Loved, loved having you on. Um please, for those that are listening, we want to hear your thoughts. Head on over to our podcast episode page, rotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find the episode 90 post on bitterness and leave us a comment. What have you held against yourself, against others, against God? And then the flip side of that, the sweet side of that, where's the hope? Where's the fruit? Where's the um, the journey ahead? Um, would love to hear some of your story. If you would share it on our blog, we love it when you guys comment. And thank you, Hyssop. 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 It's just such a fun word to say. I love saying that word. Maybe they'll sponsor us again. I feel so much like cleaner now after that episode like his up did its work like i you feel, just feel very refreshed purged that's the right word you feel purged and clean cleanse me with his up and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow that's it that's our scripture there's a corresponding scripture with our sponsor which is really great it's like one of those testaments did you ever you guys ever have those those little little <laughs> <laughs> Those little tin cans of like tic tac, it's like tic tacs for Christians or something. Those are there, there's always weird things about the about Christian culture that always like just take me by surprise. You forgot about like, testaments, why? didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, why did that ever exist? I had that so many times. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. The the testaments would be right next to the Veggie Tales bookmarks, mm, like at the mm, right cash the, registers. Yeah, yeah, at the church bookstore. Yeah, cash register. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Exactly right. Oh, those were the good old days. 
and the cringy the cringy Christian t-shirts that were just like a spin-off of something you know else that had a logo similar to a major brand name but it had like Jesus of saying, or God. Yeah, instead of saying Reese's, it would say Jesus. <laughs> I have that shirt. I wore that I shirt. I bet you did. Oh, I bet you school. did. You were that kid. Oh man. I was that Christian kid that was perfect in every way. See, except for the sexuality. Um <laughs> <laughs> See, look, we're laughing, we're having a good time. There's so much sweetness to be found. Absurdity as well in the church, but so much sweetness to be found. Yes, that's that's where it's at. Um, first Yobcast of 2022, Ben and Will, so great having you on. Thank you for kicking off a new year of this show. Um, stay tuned, you guys. A brand new episode coming out next week of the Cast, So you can look forward to that. But for now, for all your other brothers, this is Tom. And I'm Ben. And I'm Will. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. You can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at yourotherbrothers PO Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina 28802. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, access to a secret Facebook group, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.